charge it to me. In fact, Paul, I'm writing this in my own hand, he says. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. So I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. And so refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Well, and one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, who's a, a fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And then the gospel reading this morning. Jesus is interacting with a number of people, including some of the religious leaders. And one of the teachers of the law came and asked Jesus, of all the commandments, he said, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment that's greater than these. I hope that, uh, hope that many of you guys read the trail notes. How many of you guys read it? That's actually encouraging. That's good to know. And, uh, and John is actually the, probably the most consistent uh, contributor of the trail notes. And, uh, and I think it would be just good to thank him for that. Actually, he does a really good job. And I thought John did a really good job this week of uh, just talking about the AGM and, uh, and about life in community. And uh, reminding us that life in general, but especially the Christian life, is one that's meant to, to be lived together. It's one where we grow together. And, uh, and even as we talk about being this present future church, about being a church on mission, mission really is an invitation for people to come into community. Community with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and also God in and amongst his people. So evangelism becomes... I don't want to say less proclamation, but it's a proclamation through invitation. Invitation to be a part of community. And community is actually a big part of this little book of Philemon. And I don't know if you caught it, but, but you know, Paul, Paul is with a, a bunch of others. So Paul's not just by himself in prison, but he's got, uh, he's got Timothy there with him in prison. He's as a, as a helper. Epaphras is actually in prison with him. Who else do we have? We have Mark, we've got Demas, and we've got Luke. And these guys are kind of like a little, little small group, even if you could say church. But it's, it's not Paul isolated by himself. It's, it's Paul, and you'll, if you read all of Paul's letters, he's always saying, I've got this guy with me and this guy with me, and, and, and she sends her greetings, and it's always this community of people that's on mission together. But it's not just... Paul with a group of people that he's writing, but he's, he's writing to another P. He's writing to Philemon. But I don't know if you catch this in, in the book. Then he begins to talk and say, uh, he gives greetings to, who is it here? There's a number, uh, Apphia and Archippus. So we'll go AA for all of our people that are in AA. There you go. Okay, so they have that AA community. And then, but then he's got, uh, he actually says the whole church. He greets the church in his letter. And so it becomes, again, this group of people that he's writing to. 
And I think it's and it's easy to miss that because I mean you might catch it when he talks about the names and stuff like that. But for those of you that that might have been looking in your Bible, there's just these these little footnotes sometimes at the bottom of the page. And it says this in in, in verse three twenty two and twenty five. This is just a little bit. That's not really meant to be Bible trivia. It's meant to mean something. But that the Greek word. Is, is plural. So sometimes we read you and we automatically think, well, just you. Like I'm talking to you as an individual. But in certain places in this letter, it's actually written to you, the whole people of God. So, so in verse 3 where he says, grace and peace to you. I, I remember somebody saying, you know, just think about it as if maybe you're talking to somebody down south. So grace and peace to y'all. Right? And then he says, I prepare a guest. I thought this was interesting because I was sure at first he's talking. It sounds like he's talking to Philemon. Hey, I'm coming over to your house. Prepare a guest room for me. But he says, hey, y'all, prepare a guest room for me. I'm, I'm coming back to visit. So he's talking to the whole church. Some, somebody get ready for me, please. <laughs> and then at the end he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your, all, all of your spirit. And I think it's, it's actually really important because uh, Paul is uh, writing to Philemon, who's a leader in the church. He's the host of the church, but he's including everybody in on the letter. And I just, I wonder, how comfortable would you be with that? How comfortable would you be with somebody opening your email, or maybe your your the mail that's delivered to your house? That maybe it's not just your closest friends, but maybe just those that are acquaintances, and maybe even a visitor or two that actually hears what's being spoken to you. Because it's a major decision. It's a, it's a major request that Paul is making. It's regarding Onesimus. And so Onesimus was, was a slave. And he had run away from his owner and perhaps actually even stolen money from his owner when he took off. And Paul doesn't just write to one individual. He says it in front of everybody. He says, I'm going to be challenging you now. I'm calling you... To, to come to reconciliation with this individual. So w- whether Philemon or Onesimus actually wanted it or not, Paul has instigated it. He's, in, he's forced them and initiated them to, to actually get together. And I, I know about you, but I know for me, there are, there are decisions and there are relationships that I would rather just kind of deal with by myself, not, not in, in public. But I think there's a challenge here for us that in, the, in this time of reconciliation, and we've been in that time for, for a while as a church, but there's reconciling that continues to need to be done. That God asks us to do that in community. And he shows us the way by how Paul deals with Philemon and Onesimus. And uh, I think the next thing that, that stands out to me, and Paul, or, sorry, John already just alluded to it, you know, is, is the way that Paul writes to Philemon. I mean, his words are just so encouraging. Right? He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about the, your love and I hear about your faith. Your, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of all of God's people. And, and whenever I have struggles and such with, with people, I think... Um, what happens for me is that that fear becomes involved, and wherever there's fear, 
there's things like anger, uh, condemnation. You know, I want to put the other person down so that I can feel good going into the uh, into the discussion or the confrontation. Uh, defensiveness. I don't know if any of you guys ever feel that way, but you come into a, you're coming into a conversation and you're thinking, okay, what am I going to say so I can make myself look good and I can win this argument? <laughs> but I find for myself personally that if I I think I'm slowly starting to get better at recognizing that. That I'm getting, I'm getting all anxious and I'm starting to work up and I'm building the walls and I'm going to protect myself. And if I just stop and I say, okay, actually, I begin to pray blessing uh, for the other person. I begin to actually pray for them. I pray for their success. I pray for their ministry. I pray for their relationships. And I pray for God to bless them. Suddenly, something begins to happen in me. And the, and the fear becomes something else. It becomes, becomes a race. And it starts to change. Love begins to come out. And the dark and the blackness that was once there begins to, to be gone. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> All right. I fell in love. Yeah, you get that? Get on. Anyways, if somebody wants to reset that up for me, they can. It's not a big deal. I only have one more. I'm such a great artist, you know, that I only have one more diagram to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't all jump up at once. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this whole idea of approaching the situation, uh, the, the tense time in love, it begins to help me to see the other person in a new light, right? And I think you begin to see the situation in a new light when you start to pray blessing over, over them and, and the situation. And I was reminded of uh, the Apostle John when he says that perfect love actually casts out fear. And I know that John is talking at that point about our relationship with God, that we don't have to approach God in fear, but I think it also spills over into all of our relationships, that as we begin to love and we begin to encourage other people, suddenly we're able to, to now approach them not in fear, not in defensiveness, not in condemnation, but we can actually approach them and they and us in love. I think the second thing that stands out to me in, in the way that, that Paul writes this letter and the way that he talks to these people is that he doesn't pull rank. And now there are times when Paul, in some of his letters, he does pull rank. He says, listen, I'm an apostle and you need to listen to me. But more often than not, and especially in this letter, Paul doesn't do that at all. He calls Timothy, who is somebody who's under him, who's, who, who's been saved by Paul, he's been di- discipled by Paul, but he calls him, what? He calls Timothy my brother. He says, Aphia, our sister. He says, Archippus, my fellow soldier. He says, Epaphras, who's my fellow prisoner, and others who are my fellow workers. Paul has this sense of camaraderie, of, of mutual support, and when he talks to Philemon, he says, you know, my dear friend, 
my fellow worker, my partner, my brother. Do you, do you see how it begins to be um, something of a level playing ground? And then Paul comes to Onesimus, the slave who has run away, who has done something really wrong, and, and uh, it begins to redefine him. And again, you might not know this. If you look in your little fine print at the bottom of your Bible, you'll find that the name Onesimus means useful. And, uh, but because he's run away, and because he's stolen money from his master, he's now kind of got a new name. And I'm sure it isn't too pleasant around the house, you know, now that he's gone. It's probably, some, somebody said, well, you know, Paul even himself says, you know, maybe before he was Mr. Useless to you, but I'm now sending him back to you as useful again because of what's happened with him in his relationship with Jesus. And uh, some of us have seen this, uh, this video before, but I just thought it was a good example, both of grace, but also this redefining of, of a new name that God gives us, um, new definitions. And so Jesus is going to show that now. the sign that you would hold up? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you begin to think of yourself or maybe how you, per- you think other people perceive you?
What do you think the new name is that Jesus would like to give to you today? Sorry? Free. Restored. Redeemed. That's beautiful. God would desire to grant each one of us a new name. A new status, a new definition. And so, just like for an Onesimus, he's, he's defined as Mr. Useless. But now he's, he's come to Christ. He's useful. I think Paul, in, his, in the way that he talks about other people, about brother and comrades and, and all that kind of sense, I think he's following Jesus. I was reminded of when Jesus is approaching the cross and he's talking to his disciples. He says this, my command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. And, and greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Now you are my friends if you do what I command. So I no longer call you servants, because the servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from the Father, I have shared with you. And so everybody is called to see everybody else in a new light because of what Jesus has done. So Onesimus sees Philemon, his boss, not strictly just as his boss or his master, somebody that he has to obey because, you know, it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I'm obligated to him because he puts food on my table. But instead of seeing him as a master, he now sees him as a brother. And it's the same for Philemon. He also has to see his slave, somebody who, well, you know, I, I pulled him out of the, you know, uh, the gutter and I provide something for him, so he, he owes me. No, he also needs to see him as a brother. And because all, this letter is read out to the whole church, everybody is invited now to participate in this new view, in this new naming. And so, and that's why I think at the beginning when he talks about all these words of encouragement, and, uh, and I've shared with you before, I mean, uh, words of encouragement, words of affirmation, they're my love language. So if you want to make me feel good, you know, pour it on. But I, but I think it's not just about me. <laughs> I know it's not just about me this morning. But this idea where, where as we continue to build in, we, it doesn't mean that we don't speak truth into each other's lives, where we, there's still going to be times of confrontation, just as Paul says, Philemon, look, and Onesimus, you know, we've got to get this thing together. But this whole idea of, of affirming each other, building each other up, uh, it releases us, I think, into God's mission. And so, so that when we do go to work and we interact with other employees, and maybe when we go to school and, we're, and we have to you know, sit beside that goof in the desk beside me, uh, maybe you go to a restaurant and, the, and the, uh, the person who's serving the food doesn't actually serve you all that well. Can you see them in a different light? And I guess the, the last thing that I wanted to, um, to talk about is, is and, and maybe highlight is that Paul, through this whole relationship in this letter, acts um, as a mediator. And as we talked about before, it's, it's not this um, hierarchy. Where it's just kind of this top-down uh, picture. But Paul puts himself, I'm going to use my little placard here. So we've got Philemon on the one hand and we've got Onesimus on the other hand. 
And Paul puts himself right in here. And he acts as a mediator. Uh, He brings the two together. And so he doesn't just kind of talk about the idea of relationship and reconciliation. Hey, wouldn't this be a good idea? We could all be together. It would be so nice. He actually makes the two come together. So and I, I've, I wonder how that would feel for an Onesimus, right? Because uh, he's run away and he's feeling bad and all that kind of stuff. And he's, now he's, he's been restored. Things are good. And wouldn't it be just nice to stay with the Apostle Paul, wherever he happens to be, and just keep doing that? And just, you know, that's in the past. I don't really have to deal with it anymore. Wouldn't it just be nice to stay, stay here and not go there? And Paul, I'm sure in, in God's wisdom, says, Onesimus, this has been good. And great things have happened over here. But there's some unfinished business that has to be dealt with over here. And because I love you, and because I love Philemon and the rest of the church there as well, but because I love you, I'm going to send you back to that place that is very difficult for you. And uh, I'm doing that for your best, your best interest and for God's glory. And so I guess I would just want to finish this morning by asking, you know, from whom or from what situation have you run away from? Uh, who might you need to go back to and not just uh, maybe have a chat with, but, but maybe go deeper than that? Maybe, or maybe, maybe moving it from one conversation to many conversations. And or maybe who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Or if there's somebody who has wronged you, who's done something to you, that you're holding on to that, who is it that you need to uh, go to speak to and offer uh, grace and forgiveness? Um, we're going to come to communion in a minute. And, uh, and one of the things, I didn't grow up in the Anglican Church, and so this was all very new to me. But uh, one of the things that we often did in the past was this thing called the passing of the peace. And I think oftentimes it's misunderstood. It's like, kind of, hey, how's it going? It's nice to see you again today. You know, how's the, how about them Canucks? And it becomes this kind of, you know, just a busy time and just kind of a pat on the back. But I think one of the original intents of this passing of the peace prior to taking communion was that we might have this opportunity to, to bless others. So the peace of the Lord be with you is, is the words that we say and then, Oftentimes the other person says, and also with you, or they, they just say the same thing, the peace of the Lord be with you. But I think it's also an opportunity to get up from where we are and maybe go to someone who we're struggling with and just say, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't plan things in the right way and uh, so that you could fulfill the things that you wanted to do or whatever the relationship is uh, where there's been something that's gone wrong. We actually have the beginning, uh, an opportunity to make things right, even here and now, as we come to the table. And so we remember that Jesus has made a way for us to be reconciled to God, but it's not just this vertical relationship that he's interested in. He's also interested in this relationship. And so I'd like for us to be able to, to participate in that this morning. And, uh, and let's use it, if necessary, as an opportunity to extend uh, grace and mercy to one another. Uh, let's pray, and then, um, and then we'll do just that.
Jesus, I, uh, I thank you this morning for, thank you for your word. And maybe for, for many of us, this, this word that um, just haven't really paid all that much attention to you. But I just thank you that you again call us uh, to life and community. And that you see each of us as your beloved children, as a beloved son, beloved daughter. I pray that you would uh, restore that definition of ourselves, that identity where that's been broken. And Father, where we have um, where we have wronged others, or maybe where we've run away from from something that you desire to work out uh, in us, but also between us and somebody else. I pray that you give us uh, the strength and the courage uh, to uh, to to change direction, to run back to the individual or individuals whom we've wronged and, or maybe who have wronged us and to be able to ask for and extend uh, mercy and grace and forgiveness. It's a, it's a very powerful weapon of your kingdom work. And so we desire to enter into that this morning. And so we just we say we're willing and where we're not willing, Jesus, would you just uh, soften us by your Holy Spirit Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to be able to make those kind of moves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the peace of the Lord be with you. Let's share that peace together.